Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden, and Eches Adokru. How are you, Eches? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm ready to party. Mm. <laughs> Play on words there, obviously. Yeah, nice oh, one. Yeah, cheers. We've been working on that one all week. Yeah. Uh, we've got Arsenal versus City later on today. Uh, buzzing to see Thomas Party hopefully in action. Score prediction, I always do score predictions, probably mm. 6 or 7 nil to Arsenal. Oh, really? Okay, it's very very logical. Huh? Yeah, very logical indeed. Um, got a week off work next week, which is good. Mm. Been um, working quite a lot recently, so we could take some time off. Uh, probably see some views in my kitchen, maybe my bedroom, you know. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Uh, also, the new Nigeria kit dropped. Uh, managed to cop that. Got the away one, not the home one. Mm. Uh, looking very sharp in it. Uh, I prefer the old kit, but that that was really, really, really wavy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really wavy. Didn't manage to get that one because it sold out. Um, bit of a sore one that, but mm. got this one and it's uh, looking pretty fresh. Anyway, how are you, Dragon? Yeah, I'm buzzing for the return of the Prem. Um, lockdown has came back in in London now, tier two. So there's not much to look forward to, but look forward to the Premier League come back. I've actually been checking out um, some vintage clothing markets. Um, I realised I hadn't bought anything during lockdown. And I've been dressing like a 12-year-old boy, so that needs to change. Yeah, I'm glad you've noticed that, mate, because your dress sense is, is pretty poor. <laughs> um, Thanks, mate. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. I, have, I haven't got anything else to add. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually shocked you realised, so that, that's good. Thanks, mate. appreciate it. This week, and in light of Black History Month, Etchers will be looking into some of England's black British icons and what they've achieved in the game. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter, at YFootball underscore for our latest content. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Earcast for immediate access to future episodes. So Etches, I've mentioned it's Black History Month, but why specifically this topic? Yeah, well, obviously it's Black History Month, as you mentioned, a record three times already on the pod so far. Mm. Um, but we've been really fortunate in England to have had some great black players Absolutely. over the years, including Ian Wright, legend Andy Cole, Thierry Henry, legend Didier Drogba, Vincent Company, just to name a few. They have created so many fond memories uh, for fans throughout the English game. Mm. So I wanted to do an episode focusing on some of those black pioneers in British football. You know, we see so many players of uh, black uh, ethnicity in our game today. Uh, you know, you look at the England national team and you've got the likes of Saka, Maitland-Niles, Calvert-Lewin, yep. uh, Tamori, Tammy Abraham, and there's so many others, Loftus-Cheek, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't always the case. Um, you know, if you go back 20, 30 years, the game looked very different. And some of these players that we will mention in the pod later on helped create paths and opportunities for the future generations that we see today to flourish. Mm. Who was your favourite black footballer of all time um the obvious one is Thierry Henry mm. um because of you know he's I think the greatest Premier League player of all time yeah um still do anyone wants to beef me um just at yeah. football underscore yeah get in more, touch more than happy <laughs> um if not him uh probably go with Yaya Toure oh really as yeah. an as an African myself I thought he was exceptional yeah, in the Premier League for City would be second, and then Vieira would probably be third. Mine would be um, Henri. Yeah. Um, despite being a Sunderland fan, I used to get my dad to buy Arsenal games on Sky on pay per view just to watch him. Um, so that's an admission that I'd make on the podcast this week. Not a fake fan. Um, yeah. Although, as you say, the history of black footballers in England 
and internationally goes back far further than Henri and the advent of the Premier League. So it's great to touch on it. So Etches, who is up first? First is England's first black international scorer by the name of... I wanted a drum roll, but we don't have one. Okay. Uh, so Luther Blissett <laughs> <laughs> is the first one. So Luther Blissett uh, was a striker by trade. Uh, he was born in Falmouth, Jamaica mm. on February 1st, 1958 and trained at Watford as an apprentice until the summer of 1974, where he then turned professional. Uh, back then, actually, Watford are in the fourth division. So for a lot of fans back then, Graham Taylor came in, worked his magic, and yeah. they, they shot up the leagues. Luther Blissett managed to score six goals to help them get promoted to Division 3, rocketed up to 21 in the next campaign to win promotion to Division 2. Luther Blissett remained consistent throughout those years, uh, reaching double figures in each campaign. Watford finally reached the first division, with Blissett again an important figure with 19 league goals. Mm. Yeah, Blissett then went on to score 27 league goals in just 42 games in his first first division season with Watford. It was during that brilliant season where Blissett made his England debut, scoring a hat-trick against which country? Um, San Marino. The correct answer is Luxembourg. Uh, fair play to try, and he actually mm. had the answer on his screen. Um, so <laughs> pretending not to yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Luther Blissett <laughs> then made 13 more appearances for England, uh, didn't actually score um, in any of the other appearances. But his rise during England that year after that stellar campaign earned him a move to Italian giants AC Milan for a fee of one million, which back then was a lot of money. Yeah, it's a hefty price for a deal in 1983. Yeah, um, A great, bit, great business by Watford in the end because obviously he came back and they made a profit on that. Um, the year prior, that actually, did some digging. Mm. And Maradona signed for Barcelona for three million um, Yeah, the year prior. So, I mean, that shows kind of the, how big a deal that was. Um, for Luther going across to Milan. Well, I'll tell you what, one million wouldn't buy you now. It wouldn't buy you a Will Grigg. <laughs> <laughs> we paid three million. Let's not discuss it. Unfortunately, Blissett's time at Milan wasn't a massive success where he only managed five league goals in 30 games. He actually then returned to Watford after one season for 550k. Uh, he enjoyed more success at the club, scoring 21 and 41 in his first chip back where he then played for three more seasons at Watford before joining Bournemouth. Then in the second division with Bournemouth, he played well, frequently finding the back of the net before one more move to Watford. And then after that, there were moves to West Brom, Bury, and Mansfield Town before he retired. Mm. Blissett, in his post-playing career, uh, joined Watford in 1996 as a coach under Graham Taylor, who is obviously a coach who brought out some of his best football. But he left after they recruited Gianluca Viali, who was said to have wanted his own backroom staff. Therefore, Blissett had to depart. Mm, interesting. Mm. Quiz time for you, Eches. And just so you know, listeners, blanked out these answers, so only I can see them on screen. Ooh. Um, can you name the top five most capped black players for England? Yeah, Cashley Cole. Cashley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's number one. Um, Colossus Campbell. Who's that? Saul Campbell. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, he is fourth on the list. Um, Rio Ferdinand. He's second on the list. I was trying to think of a nickname for Rio. I couldn't think of one. Um, so I've got three. Three out of five so far. You've got two more left. you got third and fifth left. 
Theo Walcott? No, but he's quite high on the list. He's got like he 40, 40 caps. Yeah. Who's above that? John Barnes. John Barnes is third. 79 appearances, 10 goals. And the fifth is an absolute hero. Absolute hero. Might not get him though. Former Leicester and Liverpool striker, Emil Heskey. Oh, the DJ himself. <laughs> Fair play. 62 appearances, 7 goals. Fair play. That, that is pretty good. And the first black player to play international football, generally, mm. according to um, Wikipedia, mm. was Andrew Watson for Scotland in 1881. So it took England almost 100 years to uh, follow suit. So next on the list is the first black player to play for England. Again, I'm missing that drum roll, but it is mm. Viv Anderson. Uh, Viv hails from Clifton, Nottingham, and as a young schoolboy, was on the books at Man United before he joined Notts Forest. He mostly played at right back throughout his career, and under Brian Clough, the famous Brian Clough, he became yep. a regular at Forest, winning promotion in 1977 to the First Division. There, he is part of a successful team at Notts Forest, where he won the league the following year, along with the League Cup which back then was worth a lot more than it is now. His brilliant form for club and country led for calls to be for him to be included internationally. There were a growing number of black players in the game at that point, but you know none had actually represented yep. uh, the international team. Then in November 1978, Viv got the international call-up and played against Czechoslovakia, as it was named back then, under manager Ron Greenwood in a 1-0 win, which doesn't sound very exciting at all. Classic England. The clean sheet though for Viv. Yeah, clean sheet. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, the following year, he won the European Cup with Forest beating Malmo 1-0 in the final, which is a bit mad, like Malmo. I don't, mm. don't know. I wouldn't have thought they'd get there, but fair play to Forest. Uh, Forest retained the title the following year, beating Hamburg 1-0 again. Uh, alongside this, Forest also reached three League Cup finals in a row, winning two, but lost the final one to Wolves. Um, Anderson kind of had a problem, though, getting internationally recognised by England frequently. Um, England had some very good right-backs in their ranks, including Trevor Cherry and Phil Neal at the Leeds and Liverpool, respectively. Yeah, you mentioned Ron Greenwood. Um, I, I, read a, I read a quote um, upon him handing Viv his first cap, saying, yellow, purple or black, if they're good enough, I'll pick them. <laughs> fair play. Which is wrong, but yeah, fair enough. Um, he also handed forwards Laurie Cunningham and Cyril Regis their first caps so he was seemingly quite instrumental in um, paving the way for a major increase in black call-ups which then came under Bobby Robson um, and has increased since although there were no black England players picked for the 1982 World Cup in Spain interestingly um, and also interestingly Jack Leslie of Plymouth I've been doing some more reading hmm. was called up for England in 1925 so would have become the first black player uh, against Ireland but never made his debut and seemingly or mysteriously, his name disappeared from the team sheet. His family saying it was due to racism. Yeah, um, I read a bit about Jack Leslie as well for this pods, and yeah, it's quite a shame that a debut internationally for a black player took so long, mm. especially when black players have been involved in the game for such a long yeah, period of time. Yeah. I mean, 1978 is ridiculously late um, to, to have had such a late debut. But uh, moving back on to Anderson... He then moved to Arsenal for around 250k, where he also cle- collected sorry, a League Cup medal and returned to the England fold, featuring uh, often for the country. He actually scored his first and only international goals during an 8-0 thrashing of Turkey. Um, Viv Anderson actually moved on to Manchester United, which is, this is a fantastic piece of football trivia. And okay. he was Sir Alex Ferguson's first signing at the club at Manchester United. Right. 
I think it's great, mate. All oh, right. Pop yeah, quiz it's, trivia. It's pretty. Yeah, it's good. So if you're if you're listening, just write that one down. Mm-hmm. Um, Becoming handy at some point in time. <laughs> he made his final appearances for England there in a game against Colombia before management opted to look at younger alternatives for the future. At club level, Anderson was said to have been crucial in helping Sir Alex Ferguson build a winning squad, offering support to younger players and being a professional himself. Results to United improved during his time there, and he did pick up an FA Cup winner's medal in 1990. However, by this point, he was no longer first choice and wasn't in the squad for that win. Mm. A young Paul Lintz was selected instead, and with the purchase of Dennis Irwin that summer, Anderson only played three times, unfortunately, in his final season at United. Following that, he had spells at Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, before coaching at Middlesbrough. Aside from that player-manager role at Barnsley and a brief stint as assistant manager at Borough, Anderson didn't really embark on any other coaching roles in the game. He was awarded an MBE in the year 2000 for his services to football. Yeah, he hasn't been around in the footballing picture for a while, has he? The final player I want to discuss was former England and former United midfielder Paul Ince. Paul Ince became the first black man to captain England and the first black British Premier League manager. Mm. Before we start, Dryden, who is the first black Premier League manager? Um, Chris Hewton? That answer is incorrect. Ah, oh, nice one. Another guess? Can you give me a clue? Uh, this player was famous for... In one World Cup, he had an altercation with another player um, by spitting at him. It may have been a World Cup. could have been a Euros. Disclaimer. Saul Campbell. Incorrect. One more guess. Paid for AC Milan. John Barnes. Incorrect. Rude Hullet. Ah. Oh. For Chelsea. Going back onto Paul Emerson Carlisle Lintz, that's his full name. He was originally from Ilford and grew up as a West Ham fan. He joined the club as a trainee under manager John Lyle eventually becoming a West Ham regular during the 87-88 season. Ince is predominantly a central midfielder, although he featured at right-back on occasion, as I mentioned earlier in the FA Cup final. He was famed for having pace, stamina, good tackling technique and good passing ability, and also packed a powerful shot. Though West Ham had won the FA Cup final in 1980 and came third in 1986, the team was on a downward curve with Ince one of the few bright spots. Actually, that was West Ham's last title in 1980 and the FA Cup final win was actually against Arsenal. Mm. Sad times. West Ham were relegated at the end of the 88-89 season with Ince tipped to leave. A long transfer saga ensued with Ince eventually moving to Manchester United for one million. However, the story how he moved there was actually quite interesting. So pictures of him in a United kit leaked long before his move from West Ham was formally completed, leading to West Ham fans being outraged. His agent at the time, right, advised he should take a picture in the United kit prior to going on holiday and the pictures would be released once the deal was complete. Obviously, the pictures were then leaked before the transfer was completed, leading to some very unhappy West Ham fans. And that's a set of fans you don't really want to upset. You don't want to cross the West Ham no. lot, do you? No. It is the ultimate blow, isn't it, to, as a fan, to see one of your best players, not only leaving, but for confirmation to come by way of seeing them in another team's shirt. Mm-hmm. It's just not nice, is it? Smiling for the camera as well. Like, yeah. Hey. No, it's not great. Once that all blew over, Ince would eventually settle in the Man United midfield alongside an ageing Brian Robson and Neil Webb. Uh, he also entered the England squad during this time and played his first game in 92 against Spain. 
He went on to be named England captain initially by Graham Taylor in 1993. Aside from that, Ince didn't actually want to be known as England's first black captain. Instead, he mm. wanted to just be known as the captain. However, after captaining the side for the first time, the letters of support he received from parents of children from ethnic backgrounds, mentioning that they've inspired their kids to play yeah, football, that's great, great really story. spoke to Ince. Yeah, really spoke to Ince, and he actually changed his stance after that, uh, which is which is great to see. At United, club honours continued to roll in, where he won a League Cup, two Charity Shields, a European Cup Winners' Cup, and a European Super Cup, alongside two FA Cups and two Premier League titles. However, in the 94-95 season, United finished behind Blackburn, that famous Blackburn mm. win with um, SAS up top. Yep. For those of you who don't know, that's Shearer and Sutton. Cheers, man. Uh, Shearer, great Premier League striker. Alan Shearer? Alan Shearer. Oh, right, yep. thanks. Oh, yep, cool. And uh, Chris Sutton, one of the worst football pundits around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but during that season, Keane was the main partner for Ince, but had injury troubles, meaning that Ince featured alongside a young Nicky Butt. That summer, Ince was sold to Inter Milan for a huge fee at the time of 7.5 million. Fans are said to be very unhappy about this, but his relationship with Ferguson wasn't brilliant. We know Ferguson has issues with players in the past. Yap Stam, mm. David Beckham, Roy Keane. Roy Keane. Ferguson once referred to Ince as a bottler. Not very nice. Apparently, he was quite hard in the challenge as well. So unless he's referring to something else, big game, not big game player, perhaps. But that's rude, isn't it? Yeah, I'll tweet Fergie after this and see what he's saying. Yes, let me know. Um, Ince played well in Italy and was a regular feature in the England side, but wanted to come home for family reasons. I believe he wanted his son, young Tom Ince, yep. to have school, to go to school in England. He joined Liverpool, where he wasn't successful in terms of winning honours. He was there for two years, where the infamous Spice Boys were created. You know that picture where I think it's Jamie Car- not Jamie Carragher, Jamie Redknapp, uh, Steve McManaman, Robbie Fowler. And someone when they're wearing the white suits. Oh yeah, God, it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the Spice Boys unfortunately didn't win anything, uh, and Ince was off after two years. Uh, the following years, he had moves to Middlesbrough, Wolves, and Swindon, as well as Macclesfield Town. Swindon and Macclesfield Town, he held player slash manager slash coach hybrid roles. Internationally, he retired in two thousand, having collected fifty three caps and two goals. So, Dryden, who did Ince score his two international goals against one team? Um, Azerbaijan. It's not a bad shout, too fair. It's wrong there. Kazakhstan. Is it Astan? No. No? Okay. Iran? Okay, we'll stop that there. It was against <laughs> San Marino. Oh, I usually guess San Marino. Yeah, you normally do. Um, yeah. Uh, post-retirement, Ince is actually one of only nine black managers to have coached in the Premier League. After hybrid roles at Swindon and Macclesfield, he then coached MK Dons and then moved to Blackburn, where he then became the first black British Premier League manager. However, he was fired, unfortunately, after only 177 days, which is one of the shortest Premier League reigns of all time. He had further roles at MK Dons, Notts County and Blackpool, and he hasn't coached since 2013. Yeah, so I actually would have thought there was less than nine black managers in the Premier League. Just shows mm. how, how few opportunities have there. Uh, have been had for black coaches. Um, Insults had a tough job of following the um, footsteps of Mark Hughes, I believe, left for City uh, after doing quite well at Blackburn. He finished seventh in his final season there. Ince then took over, so it was quite you know difficult shoes to to fill. Um, I think he replaced Brad Friedel with Paul Robinson. Didn't really work out. 
Um, but to be fair to Ince, Blackburn have fallen off since then. The Venkies haven't managed the club very well. Although that Hughes team did have the legends that are Benny McCarthy, Morton Gamps Pedersen and Rocky Santa Cruz. So I thought I'd mention that. And David Dunn, actually. Very unassuming player, but had a lot of good technique. Thanks for that. <laughs> really appreciate that bit of information. I kind of looking at these managers, or sorry, these these players. Some of them are managed, some of them haven't. You get the feeling that that nine black Premier League managers really sticks out. Mm. You know, seeing that Ruud Hullet was the first in I think '96 or roughly around that time, and we're now in 2020. To only have nine is quite massive. Yeah, I think even more recently, looking at you know Sol Campbell's exploits um, in the football league and how. Mm. He started at the bottom of League Two to get his opportunity in, in, in football. You do beg the question whether black managers are given a fair chance. Uh, you do want to, I do want to do a separate poll on this all together because I think it's such a wide ranging topic. But when you think of the likes of Ashley Cole, I believe, who's coaching youth ball at Chelsea at the moment, Saul Campbell, who is out of work, I believe. Yeah, he's out of work. Yeah, I think it just kind of highlights that some of the black players in our game it's just not really level playing field in terms of management you know you're getting some of these fantastic players with brilliant international careers and the majority of them either don't seem to manage at all or if they do manage the opportunities they get are quite difficult and not particularly fair when it comes to recruitment and when it comes to management you know you should always say it should always be the case that the best person gets the job mm. always should be but is that really the case in our game at the moment? Is it a level playing field for all the candidates that are going forwards? And I don't think particularly at the moment it is. So you look at the Rooney rule, which uh, the Premier League, when the Black Lives movement was building, it declined to incorporate that into the league structure, which is basically where I think you have to have at least one black candidate interviewed for every job. Yep. You don't have to give them the job, you don't have to put them to the last round, but you've got to interview at least one candidate. Yep. Um, and I think in the Premier League that's needed uh, because, yeah, looking at the situation now with the number of black players coming through and the number that seem to be struggling in coaching, I don't think the playing field is particularly fair. Yeah, I watched an um, interview with Andrew Cole and uh, Dwight York on Sky Sports uh, where Andy Cole said exactly that. He said he's not willing to jump through hoops to get into a prominent managerial role. Um, there's other reasons why he might not want to coach or be a manager. Um, whereas Dwight York had said that actually he was you know, motivated and determined actually and maybe that was an even more of a motivating factor to actually break that and prove you know, all these people wrong or people who do doubt that black coaches can make it in the game. I also think like someone like Frank Lampard, for example, he's a legend of Chelsea. He is known as having quite a high IQ, quite a clever guy, very personal guy. You know, I can see why he's been given an opportunity like he has. If he was black, I just don't think he would be Chelsea manager. No, that's just. I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah. I just don't think he would be because, I mean, the trend as we've discussed is too is too stark. Um, if it, I don't know, I can't imagine did you, did you drop, but would have been installed. He was installed quite boldly after what a season at Derby. Yep. Um, I just don't think if he was black, he'd be installed as manager. No, I completely agree. Um, and I think the rumor would be really interesting in the Premier League to try and promote or at least drive, you know, black managers being interviewed. A good example is um, Eddie Newton, former Chelsea coach and player. He said that he started, or he stopped, sorry, sending his jobs applications in England because he felt he'd be overlooked. It yeah. worked both ways for the jobs of manager positions, which is what he wanted. He was underqualified. Some of the coaching roles he looked at, he was overqualified and he was just stuck 
in a hole. He's now found some success out in Turkey with Trabzonspor, where they've actually um, signed your favourite player uh, on loan with an option to buy. He's both-footed. It's Sandy Cazorla? No. Oh, Luis Baker. Correct. Nice one. Why would Sandy Cazorla? He's like 36. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it still hits home that, you know, these guys really feel the door is closed to them in England and that needs to change. And I believe the Rooney World could do that. Mm, absolutely. So, I think that's all from us this week, Etches. Um, thank you all for listening and, yeah, tune in next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.